Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, sitting down with Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football and a special edition of the uh, a mock draft 3.0 after the Russell Wilson trade, after the essentially the first week of free agency. And welcome in, Keith. Fun show ahead. Oh, this is these are these are some of my favorite shows. Um, so we're doing it a little differently this time than last time. Last time we went through um, and had a draft simulator uh, up and we made the picks one by one as they came. Uh, this time, Bill and I have each uh, pre-done our own mock draft on the same simulator. And now we can come in and talk about the players that we picked. Yeah, the players, the strategy on what we mm-hmm. decided to do. Um that's kind of the big thing. Like, how do you how do you strategically go after the players and position groups that you think that you need, get the maximized value, all that kind of stuff? It's it's pretty interesting. We ended up similar in the types of players we chose overall, and kind of the basic trade back strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as you'll see at the at the very end, um, I think Keith came out slightly ahead, but when you take a look at the individual players, it's it's pretty even. The, and the reason that we did this today is that um, so we could take a, 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 a have a conversation about the maximum amount of players that we could because that's at this time of the year. The more we mm-hmm. talk about, you know, maybe we have a chance to hit on some of these guys. These are pretty well sea hockey type players. I think these are going to be on Seattle's big board. It you know if they line up this way who knows right it's just it's uh it never does but it's always fun to speculate so what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead let's talk, i was saying let's talk strategy for, with yeah. these tradebacks for a minute um because i think that i was just looking at mine and um i traded back twice and i know with the ninth overall pick you're thinking okay the cx are gonna you know get a top 10 uh player they're you know the last time they picked in that range was um earl thomas and um no i've got them trading back twice all the way down to 17. yeah no it's a good it's a good opportunity to grab a player especially if one falls to mm -hmm. nine that you weren't expecting there but sometimes that doesn't happen either and so you've got to be able to act i think picking up value in a team building type of situation that's the seahawks are in i think that's probably what we're going to see from john schneider yeah until the last you know couple of years uh, John Snyder's always tried to get 10 players at least. And I think I ended up with 11. I, I did. Too. Um, I moved back a couple of times. I picked up extra picks with the idea that at some point I'd want to move back up and get a guy who was falling. And then I just never did. So I ended up with 11, um, 11. Do you, overall go, do you want to go through your trades really quick? Just so people understand kind of the overarching idea. I was thinking we could, we'd kind of fit them go. in along, okay. along with the picks. We so, so the first um the first thing that happened is I traded uh nine, which is where the CX currently sit, um, down to thirteen. So I dropped four places in the draft, but I picked up a third round pick um from 
the Browns and get ended up getting uh round three pick 78, which I mean, that's ended up being pretty good value, but that left me sitting there at 13 with the Browns pick. Um, and then, well, then what, what was your trade? Cause you were in the, yeah, I did, range. I did a very similar situation. So we started at nine, I traded back, uh, to the, to pick number 14 and picked up, um, third round 76 overall and picked up fourth round 119. Mm-hmm. So I I dropped back a couple additional spaces, uh, which gave me an additional, you know, the equivalent of an additional fifth round pick, basically out of that move back. And I stayed there. I stayed at 14. Yeah. So you picked up fourth round pick 119 for moving back an extra spot. Um, and your third round pick actually looked, what number was it? 76. Yeah. And I was at, um, I'm at 78. So, um, yeah, I mean that's in you ended up getting better value there. Well, and so. that just shows you just how valuable that ninth pick is. There's a lot mm-hmm. of points there. I think on the Rich Hill trade value chart. Well, you ended up at 217 that and I ended up at at four or not 217 at uh 17. I ended up at 14. The difference between 14 and 17 um at 14 the the trade value is at 325 points. At 17 mm-hmm. it drops all the way to 296. For example, mm-hmm. when you're in a fifth round spot that value is at 12 points. So you can literally drop back just a few spots and pick up a ton of value. And that's why I think John Schneider does it. Yep. Okay. So that was my first trade and I have another one later on down the road. Yeah. And so I was sitting um, at pick 13, which would be the, you know, we're just going to go back and forth as our picks come up. So the next pick that comes up is it would be pick 13, which I have. And I moved back again. Um, The, there were a couple of players that I was targeting. Um, one, if I, I, I was willing to take, if he was sitting there at 13, he went 12. So I went ahead and go, okay, I believe the other guy that I'm uh, that I want is going to be there um, a little bit later. So I dropped from 13 down to 17 again, four more slots. Um, but doing that, I picked up another third round pick, number 79, and I picked up a fourth round pick. Um, number 123 but to make that work i also gave up a fifth round pick i gave up um 153 so i traded away 13 and 153 got 17 79 and 123 nice nice okay and then we'll talk about the the other trades in a little bit so um so yeah so i'm up first i was at uh pick 114 overall when i was at nine players like amon gardner were available uh still um and Garrett Wilson and Trayvon Walker was sitting there. And that was hard because Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson was there. And I thought, okay, there's enough players still available where if I do drop back enough, I can still have at least one or two selections available. So when I got to that point, um, really the best player available on the board, in my opinion, was Trevor Penning. And... So I selected Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa mm-hmm. uh, to be the, the left tackle of the future. It sounds like we're going to sign Trent Brown. It, it's Saturday when we're recording this. Um, and if he's over at right tackle and they don't bring back Dwayne Brown, or even if they do um, on, on some sort of low-cost deal, uh, Trevor Penning would still be a great selection here um, as we move forward. And he's just ready to go. 
Like mm-hmm. he's going to start right away, you know? So if they do select him, I don't know what's going on with, with Dwayne Brown. So, um, but that's the selection. I'm, I'm really happy with the value. So I think that that was a terrible pick. Um, if I'm going to be <laughs> honest. And I say that because three picks later at 17, I drafted Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, the same exact player. <laughs> that's funny. Um, and therefore you got better value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, whatever. It's it's all about the player more than the <laughs> it value. is about the player at that position. Yes. Yep. And and I think you get a you get a left tackle of the future, and you can do that. Uh, Trent Brown becomes your right tackle, and you you've now got two guys that you like in Jake Curran and Stone Forsyth as your backup tackles at left and or right and left side. Um, yep. There, so uh, you end up really set. At, at a position that coming into this offseason was a massive um, problem. And with the way this worked out between this free, free agent signing, which is about to happen, and this draft pick, I think you take a really important position and you just nail it down. You know, and we talked endlessly, tirelessly in the offseason, even during the season, about investing in the trenches. And, you know, we at some point, we had to kind of hold to that. And here was the opportunity. This is the hardest position to fill on the offensive line at a high level. And mm-hmm. we just, we just did it at a relatively low price first, you know, mid uh, first round pick. And, um, and I think it's a great, great, good job. Um, okay. So the next pick is uh, now in the second round the pick we got from the Denver Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade. So both of these first two selections were made possible by that trade. Um, Whatever. (laughs) It is done. It is what it is. I appreciate the draft capital now that I'm doing mocks. And of course, when we get to the draft day, it'll be, it'll make for a lot of fun. So uh, what I decided to do is go defensive line with this pick. Uh, Perry and Winfrey was sitting out there. Uh, there were a number of other guys um, in that range that I liked, but uh, including a couple of safeties. Um, Demarvin Leal, I think, was was sitting there. Travis Jones, if you needed a space eater in the in the middle, um, depending on the way they want to roll out this scheme coming up. But um, I thought that uh, defensive tackle, defensive end Logan Hall from Houston was a great value here. Just the scheme diversity he brings. He's a load. He's very heavy-handed. Um, he's just a great um, pick. Had a tremendous senior bowl. Um, I just really like the idea of having a, a 6'6", 283-pound guy. He's like Shelby Harris. So it, mm-hmm. it provides a rotation. I think that it's a Rasheem Green replacement, essentially, is what we're looking at here. And he can slide inside, play the three-tack. Yep. Um, and I think that's just a great value pick at this spot in a position of that we've said that we're going to need to invest in, and we just did. Yeah. So if the Seahawks truly are embracing, a, you know, a three-four more, uh, that's a such a fantastic pick because you the defensive ends are just so hard to find, right? They're two hundred and eighty-pound guys that can be disruptive and 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 do all the different things that they need a. Um, you know, a, a 280 pound guy to do. And so you were right. able to go, go and you were able to go and get one. And um, I, I like that pick in my draft. He went pick 41. Um, wow. 
Yeah. So like, and the guys you mentioned, um, like Lewis Kine went 43, Travis Jones went 44. Wow. So, so yeah. they were, the, you're, you got, um, I got you, the guy that I wanted out of that group. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah. And, and so that worked really well. Um, I went a different route with this. I went ahead and, um, went with quarterback, uh, Kyler Gordon out of the university of Washington at cornerback, um, the Seahawks with, you know, with, um, Reed leaving and, you know, signing, um, with the jets, they've, they're missing, uh, you know, a big, they have a big hole in their defensive backfield. And so getting a corner who can, you know, come in and, and, uh, place the run well and, and, uh, but also is good in coverage and, and does all the things that they need. Uh, I, I liked this pick in terms of being able to go and get a guy that um, will really help the team now, but is a need that's is, long-term need to. Is he going to be able to, um, to press like Seattle might like to do this year, or is he more of a zone guy or, a, you know, a slot guy? Um, I think he's a, he naturally fitting. He's a slot guy, but so was Reed. Right. Um, and Reed turned out to be just what the team needed on the outside too. Right. Um, right. Keller Gordon is, is bigger. He's a little quicker than Reed. Um, I think naturally he's a, naturally he's a slot guy, so he can man up, um, with the, the quicker guys, but he's a little bit bigger and can also cover on the outside. So I just think that that a bit amount of scheme diversity allows them to move people around and, and match up as needed. Nice. I like it. Um, so I went in a different direction. I, I thought I've made the investment. Seahawk fans are going to appreciate that in the offensive line and the defensive line. So my next pick shouldn't bother them uh, because it's a running back. Oops, that's your pick. This is my pick. Uh, Bill selects <laughs> running back Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I selected him over Isaiah Spiller in my draft. Um, they were the two top running backs on the board at this spot. There were, of course, a number of other picks that I could have gone in, in a different direction, you know, at linebacker or safety, um, another edge. I could have invested in an interior lineman. Um, but I I just am not sure about Rashad Penny. Of course, he's not back with the Seahawks yet as of this recording. Um, but even if he does come back, I don't know that Chris Carson is. I think that they may move on from Chris Carson um as needed um and having a guy at the top end of the draft one of the best running backs in the draft if not the best running back in the draft Brees Hall can do so much for you at 5'11 217 pounds um ran a 43940 4'39 at that size with a 40 inch vertical and a 10 and a half uh, foot broad jump um elite grade for the pos position um Next gen stats rates him at a 99 out of 100 elite grade. That's the highest grade in the draft. Um, now there's a few other players that get that grade, but um, to get that grade at, at a running back spot, to have that athleticism and speed and breakaway um, speed from basically anywhere on the on the field is a great pick at this spot. I think mm -hmm. and a value. Now you can say what you want about picking a running back this early, but I don't know that this is now early. I think this is a good spot to start picking some of your 
offensive weapons. And I'm telling you, if we have a quarterback situation this year where it's bringing somebody along or it's a vet placeholder, we're going to need that running game. We're going to need to ride that running game on certain uh, games. And it's what Pete Carroll said he wants to do. He wants to be able to run the ball effectively and um, and kind of lean on that a little bit, especially this year. Well, yeah, I mean, you have people, oh, it's too early, you know, but you're in the one, you're in the 40s, and two, it's your third pick, and you've already invested in your offense and defensive line. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. At that that spot at, at 241, I traded back. Um, I went ahead and uh, moved back to 45, so again, dropped back four places and um, got a fourth-round pick, pick 119. Um, nice. And so all told, I, I, I had picked up, um, you know, two thirds and two fourths with my trade backs because this is the last of my trades. Um, and I gave up, um, you know, to do that. The only pick that I um, gave up down at the bottom, you know, that I threw in extra was pick 153. So um, two thirds, two fourths, there's a lot of depth in this draft in that round, getting as many picks in that third and fourth round was something I really wanted to do. So um, there was that. And then um, my next uh, pick was someone you mentioned earlier that you were thinking about picking at 40. I got him at 45 and that is um, defensive lineman Perry and Winfrey. He is a absolute been talking about him for a while. Yep. Absolute monster disruption guy. On the interior of the defensive line, he will make the rest of the pass rushers, the edge rushers better because the quarterback can't step up. Um, he's not a guy that's going to be great against the run. Um, we know that. If he was a guy that was great against the run, he would he'd be a top 10 pick. So if he's dropping to 45, he's got some deficiency. It is not in his ability to get after the quarterback. It's in his ability to, to, um, to stop the run. So he'll be more of a rotational guy. Um, at the three tech, but I don't care. The CX need disruption up the middle. He's well, the and he's that. So yeah, we have Al Woods, we have uh, Puna Ford. They just re-signed Quentin Jefferson mm -hmm. to come back onto the team uh, to play at the three tech, so he can rotate in there with him. And that's a great selection. That's the future. Quentin Jefferson's not the future. Yeah. Um, and so I I love that pick. I mean, yeah, Seahawks fans would would love these drafts. I I think um okay so you're still up keith because i traded back from 372 dropped back a couple of spots with the atlanta falcons and i picked up a fifth round pick uh, 151 overall so i i did drop back to 74 so that's my next one so you're up so my next pick down in, in round three pick 72 um i went and got my running back um you got yours in in um in the second round at pick 41, I, I waited until the third round, pick 72, to get Isaiah Spiller, the running back out of Texas A&M. That's a, a &M. great value right there. Um, he isn't, he, like, Brees Hall is viewed as the best running back in the draft right now. Um, Isaiah Spiller was viewed as the best running back in the draft for most of the draft process. And then recently, um, Brees Hall has been the guy that's kind of slid into that role. Um, I don't care. I mean, he's got the size, the speed, the power. Uh, everything that Seattle wants as a as a running team, and to get him in the third round, I I felt was good was good value, and it allowed me to get you know multiple guys at um that will help on the lines and at cornerback and everything first, and still get a difference maker at the position. So 
that was my pick at 72. Yeah. So what you started with eight picks as you know, the Seahawks start with eight picks. You ended up overall with 11. So you dropped back, you picked up three additional picks. You moved around to different spots, different levels of the draft. And so far, I think you're just totally nailing it. The, the running back spot at this spot, especially Spiller is, is going to be great. Seahawks fans will love him as a guy that's willing to go in and, and completely finish off runs, um, run into people, uh, blocking um, on pass protection, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a great pick. So at 74, I took a guy that I've had my eye on for a while that has typically on big boards, he started, when I first started looking at him, and we both did, um, he was in the about 110 range. And mm-hmm. he's just been climbing and climbing up boards in, into the 80s. And I, so I kind of went up and got him a little bit. So not too far, but I wanted him on the team. And I selected cornerback Tariq Woolen out of University of Texas, San Antonio. And I just think that he's a little raw. <clears throat> he's going to need a little bit of development. This is a perfect spot in the draft to get him at this spot. You went and got Kyler Gordon. I've got my corner now, Tariq Woolen. I think he's good enough to be in the rotation, possibly end mm-hmm. up starting by the you know mid-season type of a thing, a la Richard Sherman. Um, and I think that he's only, you know, he's only played corner for two years, but his athletic upside is just tremendous. 6'4", 205 pounds, ran a, uh, ran a 4'2", 6'40". Uh, 42 inch vertical, 33 and 5 eighths inch arms. So he's long, lanky, physical. Um, if it somehow doesn't work at corner for him, he still has the option to be a safety in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is um, size wise, he's Brandon Browner with a lot more speed. Um, and uh, just a freaky athlete. I absolutely love that pick. I love the player. Um, <clears throat> In my draft, he went 77th overall. Um, so I picked Spiller at 72. Um, Woolen went 77th. So he was a guy that I was considering there. And then I had, wow. picks, at, I had picks at 78 and 79. Do you want to guess who I was targeting? Um, with that, with the one of those two picks, it was Woolen. Um, but he got sniped by um, the Vikings one pick before. Interesting. So I didn't, get so I didn't, I didn't reach too, too much then. <laughs> Um, so I'm via my trade, um, earlier, um, in the first round, I picked up uh 76 overall and, um, this is the pick now. And so I just, you know, there were a number of different ways you could go here. Um, you could pick up another lineman, uh, a linebacker, safety, uh, wide receiver. I mean, there's a lot of value here at this spot, but I went ahead and picked up a linebacker that I thought would be able to come in right away and possibly even start. Um, Troy Anderson, Montana State, just a real super athletic player. Um, 6'3", 242, ran a 4'4", 240, 36-inch vertical, tremendous athlete, um, elite-sized player at that pos- position, middle linebacker in a 3'4", you know. Um, comes in, fills the Bobby Wagner role, which, you know, no one's going to do that, but this guy has the ability to kind of come along and do that sideline to sideline speed, agility, fights through tackles, all that kind of stuff. He lacks, you know, he, he came from Montana State, so he's going to need a little bit of time to diagnose. Um, he's going to need to learn 
how to play defense at the NFL level. And that's going to slow him down initially and before he can become a little bit more instinctual. And, um, but he's got some good guys around him, you know, Aaron, uh, Brooks or Brooks is going to be, um, a great player to learn from. So, yeah, <clears throat> like the player, people are going to go, Oh, Montana state. What? Um, remember that Bobby Wagner went to Utah state, another tiny school. Um, yeah. Li- linebacker is one of those positions where, um, you can make a quick transition, yeah. um, into the NFL. So I'm not as worried about that. So two picks after that. At um, pick 78, I got greedy. And I know that Trent Brown is probably signing um, with Seattle, but he is not a long-term solution at right tackle. Um, I went and found my long-term solution at right tackle. I went and got Abraham Lucas out of Washington State offensive tackle, which now gives the Seahawks five um, offensive wow. tackles, which I know is weird because they drafted. You got Penning. You got, drafted got, Penning. Uh, Penning, he'll he'll be the day one starter um, at the left tackle. Um, I do think Lucas will be, you know, um, swing a starter at some right point. Now, he, maybe, right, yeah. he instantly becomes the swing tackle at that point, um, pushing both Curran and Forsyth down the depth chart a little bit. But he also yeah. becomes the right tackle of the future. And I know you and I both like Curran, but Curran is a, while he's a good run blocker, he is. Yep. limited as a pass yeah, this, blocker and <laughs> yeah lucas abraham lucas not. i mean geez so okay so trent brown is the antithesis of athletic as far as what i think they want to do in the shane waldron thing which confounds me a little bit that they're going to toss probably some really decent money at trent brown to play right tackle for the seahawks i disagree with you in a in a slightly well not even slightly a lot that Trent Brown is a short-term solution. I think they're going to probably give him like a four-year deal. Now, the way that it's structured, it might end up being a two-year deal. I don't know. But it's still a, a, probably going to be a significant amount of time. So Abraham Lucas is probably, if if that whole scenario plays out, Abraham Lucas would be a guy that's going to be s- sitting for a while, which may or may not be great. I mean, he does need to build some functional strength, but that's but he, really his only weakness. But he's a, okay. Um, honestly, I, uh, Trent Brown's contract is probably going to be a four year deal, but it's really a two year deal. Um, but is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be a guy that's going to be out there? That's, um, uh, yeah, that's a great point. And, and so getting a guy that can come into it. And I also think that, um, you know, that will, what you've got, uh, in Lucas is a guy that can swing, move inside and play guard too. Uh, he's a guy that can, can back up, you know, four of your, of your five positions. And so having uh, a guy like that on your roster is always useful. And I, like I said, I just, I, I don't believe in Brown as a guy that's going to be there long-term. I just don't. I think that um, Lucas gives them that. Yeah. That injury stuff and throwing that kind of money at a guy like that. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's six, seven, 380 pounds. Trent Brown originally started with San Francisco moved to New England and they're letting him go. Uh, mm-hmm. They had some issues with him as far as injuries and being available. And so now the Seahawks are going to take a shot. Uh, it sounds like, and um, so that'll be very interesting. I love the pick. I, I mean, I don't care if you went up a couple, you know, a dozen, a dozen picks or whatever to go get him. I, in fact, I would imagine most NFL teams will think like that and kind of, 
put him squarely in the middle of the third round. Um, you're up again, Keith. I'm again because I had two picks in a row, which was a little weird. Um, so the other player that I went, I just went and got pure speed um, at linebacker because in my in my head I'm moving um, Jordan Brooks inside to the middle linebacker, um, and I wanted some speed in on the outside. Or if they tr- truly do go to a three four. Um, he can a guy that can also be the on the inside and just give the team just tremendous speed sideline to sideline with both with both Brooks and this player. So I went and got uh, Channing uh, Tyndall out of Georgia um, to come in at linebacker and just really solidify all of that. That's, and I keep forgetting unbelievable. I keep that's forgetting okay. to click to click the little thing. So thanks <laughs> that's for okay. doing I'll, that. I'll do it. Whatever. You know, <laughs> dude, you just nailed these last couple picks. I mean, Channing Tyndall. That's just great. So your last picks are Spiller, uh, Lucas, and Tyndall. Tyndall's not going to be there in this draft. I I don't think. I you know he's there now, but he had a tremendous Senior Bowl or uh, bowl game, you know, championship mm-hmm. game, and then he had uh, his testing and at the combine, and he's just so fast and quick, natural middle linebacker, I think, um, but can play all over the place at linebacker because he drops back into coverage really well. Yep. Um, it's just a great pick. I mean, he's probably going to end up being one of the best linebackers out of this draft, to be completely honest. So, yeah, I, 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 I love the way he plays, and he plays with so much speed that I'm just like, um, this team needs to right. get faster. Yes. And he's, we've talked that is, about that. That is him getting faster. Sports fans, look at the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any NFL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 and over minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So go ahead. Wow, nice. Okay, so we both pick it at uh, 109. I'll go first. Um, I went ahead and went back to the trenches on the interior offensive line. I think this is a great value pick at this spot for a center that's going to compete um, with our our guy we just uh, brought in. What what's his name, Keith? Uh, Blythe. Blythe. Yeah, and um, we'll see if he can come in and compete and take the job. Uh, if not. He's a guy um, that uh, we just brought back Fuller. I, I noticed on a minimum deal uh, to be kind of a backup guy. He's not, he's not going to be a starter, but backup Blythe. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Cole Strange comes in and, and kicks him off the roster, which is good news. Yeah, because Fuller is terrible. Um, we saw that last year. He's he's not a guy that you want on the field. Um, and I... I 
you know, strange. I like him. He's out of Chattanooga, so he's got some learning to do. But uh, he's a guy that can come in, and and I don't know if he'll compete to be a starter, maybe not in year one or two, but he's a guy that offers a lot more upside and um, is an instant improvement over Fuller as the backup yeah. center. Yeah, he's great for his own scheme, too. He's very athletic, 33-inch arms, mm-hmm. run, run a 5 40 um, he's strong, 31 reps on the bench. The 28 inch vertical for alignment's great. Uh, four five shuttle, short shuttle. So, you know, I just like it. He's he's also got some scheme diversity. So in a pinch, he can play guard. Yep. <clears throat> so with my next pick, um, also at fourth pick, uh, pick 109, I doubled up on linebacker um, because I see the Seahawks is having currently on the roster. Um, two guys that can start at linebacker um i'm i like um barton but i don't know if he's the if he's a guy that you want especially if as you go to a three four which means your your linebackers have to be able to fight through um blocks a little more and so i went and again got a a guy with, with some speed and um with brian asamoa the second um out of oklahoma i think he's a guy that can um come in and and uh be that well basically be the fourth linebacker in a in a three four um and just do a lot of the little things that this team needs now i don't think he's going to start day one i think they might um special teams though dude i mean that guy's athletic bring him along a little more slowly just because you do you really want two rookie linebackers um starting in week one but I, i i expect him to be a starter at some point during the season here you go again I mean, talk about adding value at that spot. I just think that that's a home run hit right there. Um, and a guy that can immediately come in and be one of your special teams aces on the team. Mm-hmm. And he just blew up the senior bowl. He was all over the place making plays all week. He, everyone was talking about him. I mean, that he yep. just kind of made a name for himself there and, and then tested at the combine. So at, at 6'2", 200 pounds, he's a little less than long. Um, with 30 and three quarter inch arms, but he ran a four three three forty with a 40 mm-hmm. inch vertical. So that up that and that three nine four short shuttle is elite for that size. Um, so he's um, he's he's a good player. Yeah. All right. So at my next spot, I'm the I'm the next pick. So at four nineteen, this is our native pick, correct? No, I got this from. The, the Ravens, uh, 419, um, right? I think so. Yeah, we, um, it's, we, bo- I, we both had the, we both traded the same pick. Yeah, we right? both ended up with, the, uh, with pick 119. Okay. Um, okay, so um, I went ahead and doubled up at cornerback. You doubled up at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I doubled up at cornerback and Zion McCollum was my pick from Sam Houston state at this spot. Um, our corner room was, is kind of empty. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we're coming back off an injury on one player and, um, it's, it just needs some infusion of young, fast talent. And Zion McCollum does that at six, two, 200 pounds, four, three, three, 40. Um, he's just a ball hawking, type cornerback that has scheme diversity so he can play in the slot for you, which is probably where he ends up. And um, he's just really shifty and fast and 
ideal, ideally suited for that spot. So he's not going to be on the outside. He's going to be in the slot. Yeah. So, um, and then at the, in that same slot, um, fourth round pick one nineteen, I went and got, um, Neil Farrell jr. Um, out of LSU. And th- this is an interesting prospect because he's six four three thirty. So you're looking at a guy that's a nose tackle, right? Um, right up the middle, um, of, of your defense, but then you go back and you start looking at his production from last year and realize he had nine and a half tackles for loss last year. And that is um, that means he's living in the backfield. He's pushing people. Um, and LSU's if you're playing, that, so. playing good teams. Good oh, yeah, teams. they're 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 in, you know, they're in the SEC. So they're playing they're playing good teams and he's still living in the backfield. Um, and so being able to bring him in and, and have him with the idea that he would be. Uh, a potential nose tackle of the future. Um, he played defensive end uh, previous years, um, you know, but it was more like a, a five tech. Um, then this last year they moved him into um, to the three tech and and even at that size. So um, I just thought that it gave them some more athleticism and, and ability to push on the middle. So what happens with the defense, defensive line now with the, with those additions and like a Brian Monet and stuff? Is this a guy that challenges Brian Monet for a spot or Woods? Absolutely. I mean, Woods, Woods signed for a couple of years, but Monet might be susceptible. Yeah, and Monet signed for for next to nothing. Um, you you know you've got uh, at this point they've got you know Puna Ford, uh, Al Woods. Those are kind of the run stuffers. Uh, in this case, they you would add Neil Farrell Jr. to the um, out to the run stepping and then Perry and Winfrey gives you that pass rusher, uh, like you know, in the, on that interior too. So, um, yeah, it ends up being a, uh, I don't know. I just, I thought if you're going to double up, um, offense and defensive line, the team has got to invest more in the trenches. I've doubled up at offensive tackle. I've now doubled up on defensive tackle. You can tell kind of where my, my focus was, um, in this draft. So, yeah. So the next two picks make me look really bad and make you look really good. Um, I had that earlier. Uh, because with in the fourth round, pick 123, so just four picks after I picked Farrell, um, I went and added to the tight end room and got Greg Dulcich out of UCL Lake. I had a uh, an incredible senior bowl, just really kind of came on and 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 showed that he belonged you know, in, in the NFL at the senior bowl. And uh, I just like the way that they, they've got him now. They've traded for Noah Fant. They've re-signed Disley. Um, do they need a tight end? No. Well, they have Parkinson too. Yep. They, do they? They don't need a tight end. But I, I like him. I like the fact it's that the he's, val- it's the value. Yeah, he does everything. He plays with the with an edge. He's kind of mean. Um, and so I went and got that pick, <clears throat> and then um, down at pick one hundred and fifty one. Yeah. So almost 30 picks later in round five, Bill picks and picks. He's he's sitting there. (laughs) He's same guy. You know, he's sitting there on the on the big board. And um I couldn't I I I wasn't going to pick a tight end because we solved that problem essentially and we probably won't draft a tight end in the draft unless something like this happens, where Mm -hmm. you're at the back end of the fifth round and your guys just sitting there that you valued it at, you know, where you took him at 123 in the fourth round, and you just have to take the best player um, available at, at that yeah. spot and just get better. Um, he could be on the rotation. 
it could force uh, Kobe Parkinson to kind of go back onto the practice squad possibly or get picked off, uh, I would assume. Um, but you get a better player that's more scheme diverse for your offense and give your budding new quarterback, and, and that's going to happen at some point, uh, an opportunity to have a trio of tight ends that really all three are going to be able to catch the ball, move the chains, and that's your best friend. So I love that. Yeah. I love those th- that pick. I really do. Yes, I got him at the back end of the fourth round, um, which I th- actually thought was good value for him. And you got it is good back, value. I think in the draft, you got him the back in the fifth round. So. Yeah, he's going in the fourth round, maybe even the third round, depending on where the run and position group goes. All right, so we've each got two picks left, um, which is a little odd in that we're we're still in round five. <laughs> um, or, or actually, no, we get, we've got yeah, one of us. Got, yeah, so we're we're getting close to the end of our picks with still rounds to go. Um, so the very next pick you picked, uh, where you picked Dulcich at 152. Um, I picked wide receiver Valus Jones out of Tennessee guy with just, yeah. just electric speed. Um, absolutely just flies down the four, field Four three two forty. Yeah. And he's a guy that's going to come in, stretch the field. If, if teams are, are, you know, worrying about, uh, DK Metcalf, uh, and his ability to get behind him. Well, you can't roll a safety. Uh, to DK Metcalf's side because Valus Jones is going to also get behind uh, your cornerbacks on the opposite opposite side and it'll allow um, a guy like Lockett a lot of space to work in the middle. Um, and so that yeah. was my pick at 152. Nice. You know, I went in a different direction and we've been, uh, I think the theme in this show is doubling up on position groups. And when you have 11 picks, sometimes you can afford to do that. And when you're really light on a position group, sometimes it makes sense. And that's where I came down with this pick. Um, Zamir White out of Georgia. He's got uh, low usage on the tires and just really showed out at the combine when he was one of the best, smoothest route runners, um, a guy that looked great in agility drills. Um, he ran a 4440 at six foot, 214 pounds with a 33 inch vertical and a 10 8 broad jump. Um, he's kind of a weight room warrior, so he's completely chiseled. Um, this is a guy that is a little different than Brees Hall earlier. Brees Hall is an in between the tackles guy, but he's also a burst guy and a guy that you can do outside zone stuff with and, and get him out into space. Zamir White is going to be more of a in, in between the tackles guy exclusively, short down back. And we lack that on the roster except for Chris Carson. I just don't know if Chris Carson's coming back or mm-hmm. if he can come back. I know he's going to be seemingly medically cleared, but I'm not even sure if they keep him. They might even cut him for gap space in the next couple of weeks if, if, it, it, if the team decides that they need that money. So Zamir White doubling up here makes me feel better about the running back room going into the new year uh, with Brees Hall, Zamir White. You've got DJ Dallas. Um, that's a pretty decent group. Yeah. So you're up next um, with the very next pick because you picked two picks in a row um, and you got a guy that you're going to have to tell me about because honestly, I don't know anything about this player. Yeah, so D'Angelo Malone is um, an edge player out of Western Kentucky, 6'3", 243 pounds, 33 and 8-inch arms. Um, he's going to be kind of a strong side linebacker type. So 
He's going to be able to drop back into coverage. He's also going to be able to come up and rush the passer. Um, you know, having picks, uh, three picks in a row, essentially, 151, 152, 153. Um, this was just a value pick for me. I don't know that he's going to necessarily be there when the draft actually happens, but he's got just tremendous upside as far as um, playing bigger than his size. Um, he's got active hands. He's a great tackler. He takes good angles. He really showed up at the at the Senior Bowl, and that's really where I where he caught my attention. Cool. Um, so with my next pick, um, I went and because we're down now down in the round seven. You and I both skipped round yeah. six. There's right. no no sixth round picks. I, I took a flyer on an athlete. Um, and yeah, select, and t- selected um, an edge player. So, um, you know, like a Leo style defensive end. Um, and so you kind of Jer- had the same thought process I did. Yep. Jeremiah Moon out of Florida. I don't know a ton about him as far as his tape, but I, I saw his measurables are uh, really good. This guy is a 6'5, 250 pound. Uh, guy who jumps out of the building great three cone broad jump shuttle all of all of those the one thing he didn't do um that is he ran a four seven six forty so you're like oh maybe not um you know fast enough to come go over and play the um strong side uh linebacker spot but i'm not asking him to play linebacker i'm asking him to be you know that the seven tech the leo side uh defensive end and i think with his explosiveness um, that he can get up, get around the corner and, and really do some things and getting a guy like that in the seventh round, take a flyer on him. If it works out great. If it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And finding a a really solid pass rush specialist at that point in the draft is just value upside. Guy can play special teams, all that stuff. I think it's a great pick. I did a similar thing, went in a different direction. You drafted uh, Velas Jones earlier. I took my wide receiver here uh, in uh, Kevin Austin Jr. out of Notre Dame. I think this is a really undervalued player um, with with a lot of upside. Didn't get a lot of playing time because of uh, suspension and then some injury uh, at Notre Dame. 6'2", 200 pounds, ran a 4'3", 39 39-inch vertical, 11-foot broad uh four one five short shuttle um just has a really nice frame um where he can be physical and um i just at this point you're just looking for upside and um, i think he brings that and gives you some special team stuff wow a lot of players for us how do you how do you feel keith (laughs) Um, tired. I, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah, I know. There's a lot. There's a lot of going through. Um, through guys and, and I don't want everyone. Yeah, I don't want everyone to get confused. <laughs> so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to share my screen, mm-hmm. um, so that everyone can see what we what we did um, which is, side by which side. Is perfect for the audio portion of this. Um, yeah, I know, and I don't know if you can really see this. Um, it, you're gonna have to have a bigger screen if you're watching it. Maybe on your, um, on your cell phone. I'm not sure if you're if you're doing the um, the YouTube version, um, but it kind of shows 
what we did um, together. Because yeah. when we talked about all those players, it almost seems like that's how many picks we ended up having for the entire team. And that's, you know, we, we kind of split that. So we each had 11 picks. Mm-hmm. Um, the strategy was interesting. The, the Where we got guys um, was interesting at different position groups and different spots. Um, I, I liked your draft. I, you know, it's funny cause I, when I got your draft, you, you sent it to me via email early so that I could kind of prepare just a little bit. And, um, and then, uh, I drafted, um, and I thought, wow, they, these, these strategies and position groups and value overall was, was really similar, but you did come out a little bit on top. I went to the Rich Hill trade value chart and added up all of the um, point values and you came out plus 12 uh, over my value which is equivalent to a fifth round pick yeah so and and you basically did that by trading that extra three picks back in the first round that's where all that value was mm-hmm. attained for you yep um i i went into this wanting picks um you know, I, I have that three picks in in the seventies. The two just after our three picks. You know, between um, one hundred nine and one twenty three. There's some value pockets, and I wanted a lot of picks there. Um, I kind of wish that I would have been able to uh, get. There's a couple of guys at the very top that I kind of wanted, um, but I felt really comfortable moving down and getting Penning um, in there. But I was just looking at at, at you're going to if you look over all of this you're going to see um a definite like idea of what i did here i got two offensive tackles i got two defensive tackles i got a defensive end uh, and i got a running back i got a tight end that is a lot of investment up front on both sides of the ball um and then i also got two linebackers right so that's guys in the front seven on defense offensive linemen um that's where my draft is. Yes, I um, you know, threw in a cornerback, which is desperately needed, and um, a wide receiver in there. But mm-hmm. my investment was getting better up front on both yes. sides of the ball, and that was that that didn't happen by mistake. <laughs> like that was definitely my strategy. Yeah, I think we both ended up focusing on athleticism and speed where we could. And mm-hmm. you mentioned the trenches. We both did that um, with Trevor Penning right up front, um, which I think is going to end up being one of the best tackles out of this draft in the long run just because of his work ethic and, and the way that he plays, his demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of did the same thing. Um, went in the trenches with my first two picks. Then I kind of got some. I got a guy that's going to be able to be a weapon in Brees Hall. And then a physical corner that I think that we're lacking on this team completely lacking and so uh, Tariq Woolen comes in and, and really adds that and then uh, I just I looked for value after I got Tariq Woolen wanted, wanted to get that I, I went and just basically looked for value and filling out weaknesses on the roster you know and I think getting Cole Strange there at the interior um, and and Dulcich were my my value picks um, in that in that area so people that are listening or watching this will notice that neither of us took a quarterback. And um, isn't that I interesting? Think, I think it warrants a uh, an explanation um, from my from both of us. Um, you know that I'm not enamored with this quarterback class. The only guy um, that fit in in any of the spots I could have got, I got him 
um, at 40 would have been Riddler, the guy out of Cincinnati. Um, and honestly, I don't like him as a prospect. I think his he's got a ton of athleticism, which is great, but his accuracy is suspect. His deep ball accuracy is very suspect. And he throws a lot of passes that um, are short that are going to be get picked off in the NFL. And I just don't, I don't like him as a quarterback prospect. I, so that was an easy um, pass and, for me. Yeah. And the, for, um, and the, for the reason that you don't like him, I like him not because I, I, I don't dislike him. I don't, I don't like him, like him, but I think Pete Carroll's going to like him. I think the, the, the type of offense that he was not able to run with, Russell Wilson because he kind of placated to Russell Wilson's skill set, which was throwing the ball deep and, and avoiding the middle of the field. Ritter does uh, adequately. He can throw the ball. He can he can reach all levels of, of a defense. He's not going to be Russell Wilson with that moon ball, that deep, deep ball, but he might be able to grow into that. But the intermediate and short game, he's he's really decent. And the accuracy thing, I think, is overstated slightly with that. And then the ability to just kind of be a point guard Pete Carroll came right out and said it. We want a point guard. We want a game manager. That's all we want because we're going to let our defense win and running game. Mm -hmm. And that's what Desmond Ritter gives you. And I think at you know, 40 or 41, if Desmond Ritter's there and he's on Seahawks, the Seahawks board, he might be the best value at that spot for a quarterback to be able to come in and, and, and get behind a, a veteran placeholder for a year and learn the offense and then take over in 2023. That's just an option. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that was that kind of went into my thought process as well. Um, he was not there in my draft. I think he got taken a couple picks earlier. And then um, Malik Willis uh, was gone when I did my draft as well at nine. So he wasn't even an option. Yeah, in my draft, um, Malik Willis went, uh, he was the first quarterback off the board. He went sixth to Carolina, um, which I thought was interesting. And then um, with Ritter, um, I'm trying to find him again. Do, 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 do. He went 42 um, to the Colts, uh, which is sandwiched in between my Kyler Gordon and Perry and Winfrey picks. And mm -hmm. I, I wasn't sad to see him not there, so I didn't have to make that decision at 45. I think the so, biggest thing, Keith, is that both of us were looking at roster building not mm -hmm. building around a quarterback that has too many deficiencies for a team that's not ready to compete at the highest level. So that was that was my overarching philosophy. That's yep. why I came out of this thing. I could have, you know, there was a, a couple guys. Carson Strong was there and uh, mm -hmm. Zappe later um, where I could have it, picked it's, one it's to Zappe, develop. Not, it's not Billy Zapp, it's Zappe. It, it might be Zapp, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't either. He was a guy that was available, I think, in round three that I thought about, and then I'm like, yeah, yeah no. Right. So, right. Cause I think that they're going to be able to solve that in, you know, free agency or a little trade here coming up um, to get a placeholder in for this year. And then you've got Drew Locke as a backup. And maybe, maybe they do Geno Smith, who knows. But um, I just think that this draft, the way that it fell, the quality of players around the picks that you would have needed to spend at the quarterback position in this draft just wasn't worth it. And yeah. um, you just had to, you had to go get a better player at, at a better value. And that's mm -hmm. what happened with both of us. So anything else? Um, the only other thing would be 
we just saw Deshaun Watson get traded to the Browns. I thought for sure he was going to Atlanta. Oh, it looked it yeah, looked like that was, was guaranteed. Deal. Yeah. Um, but then it ended up being the Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield is now available for right. Maybe See, now that I mean, that to me is a Pete Carroll quarterback if I've ever seen one. I mean, coming so, out of USC, he liked Leinart, he liked Sanchez. This is Baker Mayfield. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, it's a play. It's a it's a point. He he's a little bit more than a point guard quarterback, but not much. Not, not the much. way that he's ended up playing so far in his career, and that's why he's going to be available. And they went out and traded for another quarterback. So, so he's a guy though that could come in and hand the ball off and do the short intermediate game for you, and yeah. really piss off a guy like DK Metcalf. But <laughs> yep. uh, right, but who do you, nonetheless, who do you, I think he could get you, you nine wins. He's on the he's on his fifth the fifth year of his rookie contract. I give up a conditional um, third round pick. I'd say if he plays, you know, if he plays eighty uh, percent of the game starts and you know whatever, um, then he gets a third round. If not, um, you know, if they take him to the playoffs or something, maybe they get a second round pick or something for it. I don't know. Is that yeah. too much? That's I, I think that's too much. Do you think that's um, going to get it done with competition from Indianapolis? Don't know. Don't care. Um, I know you don't, but we need we do. This is the is this the op, would you rather go in with Gulak or Baker Mayfield into 2022 with this roster the way that we're building it? I would rather. I mean, I'd rather go in with um, Baker Mayfield. I think he's a, a better fit. Then why better, don't you care about the draft, or why don't uh, you care about the competition with Indianapolis? If you think that we need to get uh, Baker Mayfield, because what I, I'm just saying, I would rather. But is he a big enough upgrade over Drew Locke to to give up um, the draft capital necessary to get him? If Indy is like all in and they're like, no, we want this guy. Let him have him. I'm not. I'm not getting into a bidding war over a mediocre player. We just saw in our, don't know, our don't trade care. backs that we could drop back four or five picks and pick up a third round pick in this draft. That would be the draft capital that you would need to get Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And so, I'd rather. I'd rather have the third round pick. Really? Yeah. See, for me, I don't when, think so. When I, you say I, a conditional, a conditional pick, it's not in this draft. It would have to be in the next draft, right? So yes. therefore, it becomes. Um, it, it does become a little easier to, but for me, it's third round pick is the maximum. And if he, that's if he takes the team to the playoffs um, or hits certain stats things, if he doesn't do that, it drops to a fourth or maybe even a fifth. Um, and he's because, 18 million against your cap this year, unless you yeah, can restructure and, that. Well, that's the thing is you're also trading it for a guy on the last year of his deal. So you get stuck in a position where, are you you're trading for a one-year rental or or you're going or you're doing something ridiculous like extending him yeah giving him a a boatload of money and why would you do that that's why i'm like if indy wants him they can have him would you take Um, marcus Mariota, who's available for no trade compensation over baker mayfield sure Uh, i i bring him in and let him and lot compete winner winner gets the starting job um maybe that happens if seattle loses out on baker mayfield i do know from reports that that seattle is in the competition to get him yeah if they lose that competition maybe marcus marietta would be not not a bad consolation prize i mean marietta is not good we know that neither is drew lock but if he honestly he plays within the structure of seattle's offense 
I he's he's Jared he he could be Jared Goff if I like her. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be that dynamic player that he was at Oregon. Yeah. And when he first started in the league, he does he if he if he contracts a little bit and just plays within the scheme, I think that you could turn almost any of these quarterbacks into at least a placeholder for a year. Maybe even yeah. Drew Locke. Yeah, and I mean Drew Locke's thing is he likes to throw it deep. He'll throw it deep on every play. But you know what? <laughs> if 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 we're doing all this dink and dunk stuff and underneath stuff and running the ball and then we take our shot once in a while, I'm okay with Drew Locke doing that. I, I yeah. you know. I'd like to see it before I make the final call, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, cool. This was a fun show. Lots of players to talk really about. Really fun show. I love yeah. these shows. So um, we'll get this thing out. Obviously, if you're listening to it, <laughs> and um, yeah, if you have any comments, leave comments. We ha- we like to have comments on our uh, YouTube channel. Those are always fun. I think that we had a last comment that we had from our last show was the idea that we were just constantly negative and he hated it. That was, and I, <laughs> and I looked at the comment and I was like, we were really pretty, we turned out pretty positive out of that Russell Wilson scenario. And the, well, first, the first week of free agency, we didn't really kind of like go down any mm-hmm. dark holes or anything like that. So I didn't know exactly where that was coming from, but it's comments like that though, that keep us, keep us going. Because that's what we are. We are we are the most negative people um, in the in the Seahawks uh, universe. We're just nothing but cynical old farts sitting yeah. here complaining about everything. That's that's that is our brand, right, Bill? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> in fact, if anything, if anything, you got you and I are usually a little uh, too rose colored glasses on some of the things. You know, and I I kind of like it that way. It just turned up turning out that way with you and I. When we, when mm-hmm. we first started, we, you know, we didn't know exactly what it was going to be like the dynamic of two people coming back and forth and so forth. And I just I really like the way that it, it's turned out because I don't think it's over the top, but I do think it focuses on the good things about football, the good stories, the good play, the you know, we're not harping on players. We're not talking about negative plays all the time. If we do, it's in passing and we just kind of move on quickly and we focus on the, on the good stuff. You know, if you want to say that that's optimistic or homerish or whatever, and whatever, I mean, whatever, I think it's, it's, you know, we have enough listeners, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL and at NWC Hawks. Show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all the stuff. Find us on your favorite podcast platforms and especially YouTube. We're trying to grow that channel. If you can follow us on YouTube and subscribe, share it with your friends, that would be awesome. Until next time, go Go Hawks. Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.